Are you thinking of taking a spring break trip this year? Or maybe you're already eyeing up that summer vacation, but you're not quite sure if you have the proper transportation for those road trips. Hey, that's where Toys and Ford can help you. Toys and Ford has a wide selection of new and used vehicles for you to check out. And at Toys and Ford, they treat you like an honored guest. They will work with you on financing no matter what your budget may be. So if you're looking for that new vehicle this year, head to Toys and Ford, located at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa Falls. We are always looking to save a little money in our pockets, but we still need our essentials like our grocery items. So how do you save money while also getting what you need for your family? Hy-Vee Perks. If you shop at Hy-Vee, you're already getting a great deal on quality items throughout the store. But now you can save more money with Hy-Vee Perks on different items each week. Saving some money is easy if you shop at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. So take advantage of these awesome deals and sales and stop on over at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire today. Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, dudes and dudettes? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hyvee and Toyson Ford. Dan here with you, as always. Big thanks for tuning in and checking out uh, this episode of the podcast and every episode of the podcast. We appreciate that. Uh, coming up here in just a quick sec, we're going to be talking with our good buddies, former Badger offensive lineman owner at Cabin Coffee, Joe Grabowski, and former Badger and Packer, Bill Ferrario. When those two are together and we get them on the pod, man, it's always fun catching up with those guys and, and seeing them talking. They've got their new podcast out, 217 South Mills. Make sure you're checking checking that out, too. they got a few episodes out and more to come, but it's it's always I always enjoy getting those two on and, and talking some fo- football with those guys and kind of get some stories told and their perspective on 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 the game of football. So let's just jump right into it. Let's bring in uh, Joe and Bill. I like to swag, man. Shout out to residents, right? Our, yeah, our absolutely. Friends, yeah, they've done a great job for us. Uh, huge help with the artwork and mm-hmm. uh, expediting the orders and stuff. So we very much appreciate them. But yeah, things are going well with us so far. Yeah. First s- episode drops can watch it listen to it absolutely yeah we got i think we got three out now as of right now so Mm -hmm. we're excited uh we're we're trying to figure out the timing moving forward probably around an episode a week but Mm -hmm. yeah very excited about the product and yeah we're just having a blast with it absolutely got the commercial airing on the air too so Mm -hmm. the promo over there so having fun with it there big guy yeah so far so good yeah it's Kind of cool. We get to tell stories about ourselves. So yeah. it's not really a whole lot of pressure. It's just mm-hmm. kind of what we did and get how to we be lived. yourself too. Absolutely. You know, so some I mean, of us, some of us are a little bit more, a little extra than others. <laughs> I admit I talk a little bit more than a normal person, but I think the funniest thing we've seen so far, and I think it's in episode three. I bring up a story and I say, Joe, tell him about this. And then I go on for 20 seconds prepping this story. <laughs> then I sit back and like put my hand out to him like, okay, now it's your turn to talk. <laughs> and he's just like rolling his eyes, but he knows to wait for me. Yeah. Uh, there's not usually a lot of oxygen left in that room when Bill goes off on a tangent. So, but so far, so good. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys, I mean, you act like your brothers. It seems like you guys are really close with, with <laughs> where did that all, I mean, how did you guys first meet? Do you guys remember the first time you guys met each other, and and what was? Did you guys like kick it off right away, or, or what was that? What was that like? I think the first time I met Bill was uh, we were at seminary. Um, it was our football camp, our freshman year. I was down in the summer for doing conditioning, you know, dedicating myself to the team, 
left home right after high school, just fully dove into the uh, college. And uh, Bill showed up, I think, a half an hour before he needed to at camp, which is <laughs> kind of standard operating procedure for Bill. Um, and then I think that evening after we were done with all the meet and greets and uh, getting our stuff, I think we I, I met him in the cafeteria eating area. Um, and then, yeah, been hanging out ever since. Yeah, that's how it all started. So just to clarify... I was going to college 16, 17 hours away from home. Joe could have practically walked back to Wausau from Madison. So I decided to take the summer, stay home, play in my all-star game back home because I thought it might have been the last opportunity I had to play football. So I wanted to do it. But to answer your first question, which I think we both agree with, what Coach Alvarez did that is absolutely tremendous is just pick that – right group of guys the same character type guys same Mm -hmm. now granted i'm not going to lie that they broke us down and built us back up but uh still this day we could see a teammate of ours that we haven't seen in 15 20 years and you still have that brother connection i mean it Mm -hmm. still feels like family and what's funny about it is that's almost like a big 10 thing where i learned through the nfl you could tell right away when a new guy comes on a team you don't even have to ask him you could just watch the way he acts listen to the way he talks and you could tell what conference he's from and it's like the big 10 versus everybody else big 10 guys are just really similar type guys yeah yeah and we always hear too like you know i know joe you have talked to you about this uh or at least we hear from this side offensive linemen are always like the goofiest or the most person personality mm-hmm. uh group on there i mean now we see it a little bit maybe with social media and twitter and facebook and those guys on there I mean, is that is that true uh, all across the board, would you say? I think for offensive line especially, it takes a different you're, – you're a different animal, you're a different breed. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about uh, overworked and underappreciated. That's kind of what it is. And the only guys – I mean, sometimes it's just the offensive linemen that you are, are with all the time. So you have to make it entertaining and interesting, and then you get to see per- people's personality. So like I said, it, it – it, we're a goofy group, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Always have been. So, mm-hmm. And from my point of view, I think with the O-line, you're doing everything as a unit. You're winning as a unit. You're losing as a unit. If one guy has a bad play, the whole O-line screwed up. Mm-hmm. If the if there's a good play on offense, the whole O-line did their job and did well. So you sort of win and lose together right. as that unit. You guys ever get upset when the running back gets all the, the credit? <clears throat> so no. I'd say no, but I, I think we say no because of the running backs we had. I mean, yeah. for a guy like Ron, the amount of success, it was it was overwhelming to us, the amount of success that he had. But Ron, you know, you go back in time in those tapes, the, the media tapes, Ron was very soft-spoken early on. I mean, mm-hmm. reporters used to twist his wrist to try and get anything out of him, but what he would say is he owes the credit to his coaches, and then he'd follow that with his O-line. I mean, every single time he would give credit back. And, I mean, probably one of my proudest moments in uh, college when he won the Doak Walker Award, the best running back in the country, Mm -hmm. he thanked all of his O-linemen by name at that award show on national television. I mean, it was like I won the award. It was like Mm -hmm. I was on ESPN that day. Uh, So we always had running backs that were – that knew their role and mm-hmm. knew how to give credit back to the O-line. So it mm-hmm. made it a lot easier. Right. Because mm-hmm. it, it seems like maybe it's more just from a from a media sense or from a fan sense. When you hear like a really good running game, it's always about the running back. And I always kind of wonder, do, do offensive linemen, you know, like, hey, give us a little bit of that credit. But it sounds like 
as long as you maybe kind of get it from the player itself, you know, exactly. the, the running yeah. back. Yeah. That's... And, and I mean, I think to Joe's point, like we don't expect the credit from anybody else because yeah. the media ain't going to give the credit. Nobody else is. But the, if the running back does, that's all you need. Right. Because that's that's your family. And if a family member succeeding and they're giving the credit back to you for that success, you appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I think the also the bond comes from when you're on the field and you can't run the ball and you can't throw the ball and your offense is – completely shut down it's a lonely place out out out, out in the huddle mm-hmm. and there's really only five of you so you have to lean on each other to get you through those times you know and then obviously you know the good times you know uh, you're so close with the people that you just kind of have that natural bond but it can be a lonely place out there when you nothing's working mm-hmm. or you're the one getting your butt kicked on uh, 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 by by the defense and there's nothing you can do, so you're like, it's it's, it's pretty lonely. So I mean, yeah. that's where the bonds come from, right? Uh, we had uh, Bob was kind of talking to me. He's like, "Do you ever ask those guys if they would ever do the like transfer portal now?" And I know we kind of touched on that once in a while. And I, I said we we've touched on it, but it seems like the the common thing where maybe you guys wouldn't have done a transfer portal was because of Coach Alvarez. Like you would not have left Coach Alvarez. No. Is that is that I, accurate? So I'll jump into this. Absolutely not. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I think. Our era and the type of people we were, it was we gave our word mm-hmm. and we're sticking by our word. Now, I will follow up really quick before Joe answers. I would blow NIL out of the water <laughs> if we had NIL back then. And we've yeah. talked with other players about it. I've talked with Ron about it. And I'm like, man, we would have had fun with NIL if mm-hmm. they had that back then. Mm-hmm. As far as transfer portal, portal, like I said, I pretty much signed my name. And, and that was my loyalty to to the team and to football like mm-hmm. and to the guys I was playing with. So... I don't think, I mean, just because it got hard would, wouldn't be enough for me to be like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Something about that. I just not in my, in my uh, DNA to just walk away. So, How do you guys think the state of college football is right now? Because you've got coaches going to the NFL from what we're hearing, like they don't want to mess with NIL and, and transfer portals mm-hmm. and, and all that. Do you think it's got, you know, maybe when a – Younger generation, maybe of coaches, you know, kind of comes in where you know they're they're kind of more accustomed to this style of of college football because you hear a lot of people saying they're not going to have any coaches left, and I kind of wonder, well, if the new batch of coaches come in that are more used to this style, maybe you know, would it be a circle mm-hmm. sort of thing? But what what are your thoughts on on the state of college football right now? I think right now it's kind of complicated. Uh, that's the most part, and until we can find a way to simplify it and and, and set, I think, parameters on when you can leave. You know, and uh, what your contract says, it's going to eventually be, con- I think, contractual, mm-hmm. um, which it already is. But you're going to have to have some literature in there about that, the transfer transfer portal. You know, you look at some of the bowl games. If I w- let's say Cabin Coffee was sponsoring a bowl, mm-hmm. I've put so much money into advertising, into into the players, and then the team that comes to play. Isn't the team that you've watched all year? Right. Look at Florida State. Yeah. When you have eleven of the starters, I think left, and now you have backups in there, and the game was completely blown out. Like, mm-hmm. as somebody who paid money for this, and, and 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 as a company, like it's kind of a. Where's my return on investment on that? Absolutely. Yeah. One hundred percent. I'll give my answer, and I'll start off by saying I hate the NCAA with an absolute passion because of the regulations they put they used to put on college athletes. They'd back in the day prior to NIL, they'd rather a college athlete starve 
Otherwise, if that college athlete got a job during the season, they'd suspend them from a game. Right. Or multiple games. Where today, they got scared of the athletes, they got scared of the direction sports was going, and they dropped every single regulation whatsoever. And until we regulate this NIL stuff, it's just uh, it, the free agency is worse than any professional sport out there. And, you know, you have kids playing five years on five different teams, and yeah. it's just it's a mess. Mm-hmm. They yeah. have to they have to figure out a way to regulate it. And I am the number one supporter that college athletes, although the status used to be the word amateur on it, you know, like we even said, like the two years we played in the Rose Bowl, I think we brought a little over 25, two years combined, a little over $25 million into the Big Ten. The majority, you know, because we were the team, I think the majority went to us, then the rest got spread through the conference. And we got like a... 10-minute AT&T calling card. We got a bunch of, like, a jean jacket that said Wisconsin on it. Like, a bunch of, we call them dad hats. So, yes, do I think the players deserve a little money for the millions they make? Or, like, a Ron Dane having 50,000, 60,000 people in the stands wearing a 33 jersey. And when his scholarship check runs out, he's eating ramen noodles on the way to the Heisman. Do I think that needs to be different? Yes. But when you have these players that are in high school that never even took a snap in college making over a million dollars. Yeah. They're running the show. Yeah. You know, the NCAA ain't, the college coach ain't, it's the players. It You're just allowing seems, this to get out of control. It seems like there's so much inconsistency. Like, was it Harbaugh that got in trouble for buying a burger for for a, for a, an <laughs> yeah. athlete or like a, a recruit or something like that? Right. And it's like... You know, you're punishing a guy for that, and then you know it's, yeah. it just seems to be all over the board. Yeah, or even like back in the day, we were we were allowed to work if it was the off season or summer. The hours there was an hour cap on how much you could work, but then you look at like a Johnny Manziel thing, and I know that's a whole nother show, his <laughs> whole story. But he signs autographs and he gets paid for it. That's illegal, right? Where why can't I sign my name on something and somebody reimburse me for doing it? It's just it's a it's a weird setup they had, and then they're just like, all right, there's no rules whatsoever. Right, you could do whatever you want. It's like the Wild West now. Yeah, it seems like it a is. little bit. So it is, and I'd I'd be scared to be a coach in yeah. college right now. Yeah, it's too confusing. I mean, it's hard enough to focus on uh, on the game and your players and the product you're putting on the field, much less all the outside interference. And honestly, even when we played, Coach Alvarez shielded us from all of that stuff. So. Had he been at the, or if he was still at the helm, we were playing. He would find a way to shield us from the distractions. I'm sure, but it, it's a difficult landscape right now, and one that I would not want to be a part of. Do you think we? And I know some teams have kind of done this. I think Michigan did, uh, Miami did, where you could see like for football now, or maybe any other sport, GMs kind of come into play. You know, with the transfer portal and you know recruiting, where maybe coaches can now. F- focus a little bit more on, on the coaching aspect so they're not so dedicated to hey now I got to find guys in a transfer portal I got to go in and do this recruiting could you see maybe like college football where teams kind of start to employ the pro level where now they got a general manager in place that takes care of that stuff I think you have to because I think that GM is going to be also not only the transfer portal but when you look in that transfer portal I believe that title of GM would also be looking at 
the caliber of player he is and what the dollar amount above his head is. Mm-hmm. Because then he's going to say, okay, I know I have a pool of boosters that are willing to put up X amount of dollars. Am I willing to spend a million for this kid? And if I get him, can we still afford the other kids that we're paying? Like, that's mm-hmm. it's all about this money right now. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> granted, I'd love to be the kid on the receiving end of the money, but right. from the coaching administrative aspect, it's crazy. Yeah. And I also think that college football, I told you before, is – is is a very big business, mm-hmm. and this makes it more of a business. I mean, honestly, because now you're playing, paying for for players, right? And, you know, and, and jockeying to put your best product out there instead of relying on your recruiting and your development of your fundamental skills and your players. Because let's face it, Wisconsin has has done really well at getting three and two and four star uh, athletes and turning them into machines and and, mm-hmm. and doing a great job. Now you're relying more on what else is available. So. Right. And it's like, because now as a fan, I've got this in my mind too, because I've, I've talked to some coaches too where, you know, they almost have to change their approach, like not to coddle, but it's like, you know, got to be nice to the kid so because they can threaten maybe to go in the transfer yeah. portal. But in the same breath, how do you coach that kid because you don't want to be too hard? Right. And then, you know, as a fan, I'm thinking, okay, if the team's not playing that great, is that kid just going to go leave the transfer portal and all that? I mean – it's you know as that stress that added stress and just like how as a coach can you coach a player maybe coach him kind of hard and then be like no no you're good you're good you know don't you know because you got to be afraid that they're going right. to go to the transfer portal i don't think coaching uh the way that me and bill were coached uh would fly in uh right. today's uh just landscape of football mm-hmm. i think you'd have a lot of people that were leaving yeah. and then ultimately you're producing not wins and then you get eliminated as a coach so Mm -hmm. we talk about it quite often like the way that we were tore down and built back up is kind of you know what our foundation was but looking back or even now it wouldn't fly at all Mm -hmm. zero I agree and I you know just with that this whole money thing on my head like I even take it a step further and say like what if your quarterback is making two million a year but the old linemen, the best deals they got were like a one-time $10,000 deal. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be animosity on that line? You know, like, because that line's beating the shit out of themselves to protect that quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if he's not handing money to the old line to keep people happy, you know, it's just, it just gets so messy. Yeah. It's like, well, why don't I get money? You know, like, now, now you get into how much the players give back credit. Like, we talked about Ron thanking us and, right. and talking about us in the media, which, you know, gave us the warm and fuzzy feeling and kept us happy. But when the guy behind you is making all this money and you're just making $700 a month scholarship check, you know, like I, I just think there's going to be a lot of animosity in that locker room, a lot of fights, a lot of mm-hmm. arguments, a lot of I'm going to go somewhere else, you know, and it's just too easy to leave. Mm-hmm. Like when we were playing, I think it was if you went D1 to D1, you had to sit out a year. Yeah, exactly. You, you had to go down a level to be able to play. Mm-hmm. Now it's just guys just bounce. Right. It, it's crazy to me. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. I just I can't fathom being a coach yeah. and, and trying to deal with all that, you know, sort of stuff. Dumb question. Who loved you the most, running backs or quarterbacks, though? Oh, I think Ron, Ron, Ron always loved us. I and mean, I think Ron knew, like, every play is not going to be a home run. Mm-hmm. And he knew, I mean, like Joe and I said, we, we ran the ball. 40, 50 times a game. So mm-hmm. Ron knew there were going to be plays where there was mistakes. There was going to be this and that. Quarterbacks, I remember 
we started off with, with uh, Mike Samuel, one of the toughest kids I knew at quarterback from Philly. Uh, and there were plays I remember, Michigan game uh, particularly, we gave up a sack. It's the end of the game. We're not going to win the game. There's about two minutes on the clock. We're down by, like, say, 17, and we just can't move the ball. And uh, Mike gets sacked. As he's getting up off the ground, they're sending the backup quarterback to basically do the mop-up duty. Mike gets up off the ground. His nose is bleeding. His hel- He's looking through an ear hole on the helmet, and we, like, pat him on the back. We're like, hey, get out of here. You know, like, let the backup finish out the game. And he looks at us. He's like, shut your mouth and just keep blocking up there for me. Stop letting the guys in the backfield. And we're like, you know, so, like, the quarterbacks, I think – Joe and I joke about it a lot. We had a lot of, uh, we called it throw it blocks or lookout blocks that when your guy gets past you and you're chasing after your guy and he's in between <laughs> you and the quarterback and you're like, throw it or look out. That's what we call a throw it block or lookout block. So our quarterbacks had to deal with uh, the learning pains early on. Yeah. Where the running backs, I think they knew they were going to get hit. They knew they were going to get stuck. Mm-hmm. True. I don't know. We were fortunate enough to play with some really good players. You know, Ron being one of those really patient runners too, you know, and understanding that our job up front takes time, especially running a zone, and, and our blocking schemes took time because it's usually a combo block coming off on a on, on, on the middle linebacker. Once he learned that the pace and there was that ultimate trust that was built, we're going to get our guy. Mm-hmm. Just give us some time. You know, I promise you, we're going to make the blocks. It's just not going to be there right when you need to hit it, but – and 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 if you watch him on film, he's it's unbelievable how the patience that he displayed as a running back mm-hmm. and allowed us to get our blocks. It was just phenomenal. So um, I, I don't really have a an opinion about quarterbacks, our quarterbacks or running backs. Um, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. just really like a we were more worried about doing our job up front. Mm-hmm. That was it. Do you do you guys think if you lined up today, you could pick up some of the plays right away and know exactly where to go on some of those calls of our plays? Yeah. Of our plays, yeah. 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 Our plays, 100%. If mm-hmm. we went to where I think it would get confusing, and I don't even remotely understand how it works, is the teams that have the pictures. Like, I don't know if that's just a memorization, like, mm-hmm. oh, you see a circus animal, that means 22 zone. Like, I don't know right. mm-hmm. what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, if we were in the huddle and they're like, Joe, line up at right guard, Bill, line up at left guard. We're going to put a center, two tackles, and call 22 zone, line up uh, over defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could block it. You could block yeah, yeah. Because we just, just for the hell of it, like I've said, there's been times I've been bored and like my daughter or somebody would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, i just drawn up a defense. Like just for the hell of it being like, because I'm watching so much football and I'm like, that guy diagrammed that play wrong. And the way our coach did it, like if I went up on that dry erase board, I'll even show you when the show's over, we could take a picture of it. I'll draw, draw up a zone and show you all. By the time he got done talking about one play, you looked at it and it looks like a two-year-old scribbled on it for three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, well, if you didn't pay attention on the first couple lines, you're going to lose it altogether. Mm-hmm. Right. So as an offensive lineman in the game, you know, we, we hear about you know quarterbacks pointing out the Mike linebacker and all that. What are some of the stuff you guys are looking for, or Look, or maybe listening for, for directions from the quarterback? Kind of take us a little bit inside, like on the trenches. I think a lot of it is tendencies, what the coaches uh, prep us for ahead of time. So obviously, like as we grew – as a line, and we started experiencing more of this. Center's typically the one that calls the mic first, but mm-hmm. also the guards and tackles need to know who it is even before the center calls it and starting to understand that defense. But when I say tendencies, 
you know, your coaches are doing this study, and a lot of times it's GAs doing the math on, you know, on this play, if the will linebacker lines up on the outside, on the line, it's a 95% chance so far in the previous seven games that he's going to come hot off the end of the line. So that's where you're making adjustments up front. So it's looking for those little details. As I went further in football, I started understanding. I remember asking Frank Winters in Green Bay, I'm like, why did you switch the mic so fast? Like, what made you go like that to me is the mic in the middle why did you go over there and he's like see how that safety is normally say three yards inside the hash now he's lined up on the hash and that he's on the hash you can look on the hash he's right behind the cornerback and he's cheated up so it's more of a tendency that he's going to come and that hmm. that uh corner is going to come inside so it's just looking at those little details and right learning it yeah, i think yeah. the hard part too is this is all happening in seconds, that's what as I'm, you yeah. walk up to the line and you're and you're scanning, and then you have a defensive guy that won't freaking settle down. He's walking yes. around yeah. like Minnesota. That's why I hate this. <laughs> yeah, never. He's lined up in between, halfway off the ball in between the linebackers and the thing. So, uh, just the mental game of that, trying to establish, and this is all happening within the snap count, and you're yelling uh, across, you know. Blocking schemes, etc. What your calls are mm-hmm. as the ball's being snapped sometimes, and people wonder why like O linemen jump off sides, and like there's a good example of it is they're like, well, they know the snap count, and yeah, we do. And even at Wisconsin, we barely changed the snap count. It was, I bet you, ninety percent of the time in our whole career, it was on one. So blue twenty, blue twenty, set hot. That was the snap count. But while the quarterback's going blue 20, blue, you're yelling to other guys like, mm-hmm. we're going 42, we're doing this, yelling the call, under 42, under, as he's going through that. So you got to be listening to that as you're calling the the play that you're doing on the O-line, and then, yeah, mistakes happen. There's so much more going on, it probably it sounds like, than what you see on TV. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. you, we can't hear it, obviously, unless you get a hot mic once in a yeah. while or something like that. Yeah. But, so what I would do is – I'd be in the huddle and I hear the snap counts on one or two. I would put those fingers on my thigh board. Same exact deal. Up here. And then when I got in my stance, there was times going, What is it on? And I looked down and I'd, oh, it's on one or two because I kept my fingers on my thigh board. And I, that's how I knew the snap count because there's so much going on. There's so much conversations happening. You know, plus you have to actually go out there and, and run the play. Yeah. You I was going to say, you had to remember the play <laughs> you too. To remember right? the play. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I would do the same exact. So. We would do like a K, the change up for us going on one was a consistent. Sometimes it was like first color, second color, and then two is the when you go on two, that's when people normally jump because they do a hard one, then they go on two. But I would do the same thing, I'd make a fist and have two fingers separate. And I was in a left handed stance, so when my right forearm was on my right thigh, I'd have two fingers touched together. <laughs> Just like he said, where when you're done making all those calls, you're thinking, all right, I got two. It's on two. Sit there on one. <laughs> don't that. move. Yeah, I yeah. love that. And well, I don't think I, I don't think we ever talked about no. that between each other. But yeah, it's, it's something that yeah. we always did. Yeah, and that wasn't coach. It was just something. No, you guys something did, you yeah. figure out. No, yeah. really, something you have to figure out. Yeah. Always you're offsides, and then you're my funniest story so i <laughs> talk about coach alvarez and how much we love him but how much you fear him we're in the rose bowl the first rose bowl we're uh come we're on probably the eight yard line coming in to score and i think it was first down we call the play it was a great play but i think we called it on two and i jumped and the moment I jumped, and I, we were ahead in the game, but there was still a good amount of game left where it was nowhere near over. 
the moment I jumped, the first thought that came through my head was, I'm going to get tortured when we get to the <laughs> sidelines. We, as soon as we scored the touchdown, I smiled. I'm like, I'm still getting tortured. But you know what? On television, they're going to say Bill Ferrario from Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and I put a smile on my face. I'm like, not the best way to get noticed on television, but my hometown's going to know. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so cool. And uh, he did rip me the whole way I was back to the ask, bench after you... a touchdown. Still <laughs> rip me the whole way back. Still coaching, right? Was still, that? still coaching, even though after oh, success, absolutely. you know. Oh, yeah, touchdowns don't matter. Like yeah. I, I don't know if we talked about it in here, but San Jose State is the game that I don't think any of us will forget. It was after we got shut out by Syracuse, our first game in the kickoff classic. San Jose State, we win 54, I think, to 10, and that was the worst beratement we ever – we, as a lineman, walked out of that room with tears coming down, like wiping tears away before we went on the practice field. And we put up 54 points, and our defense held them to 10. They crucified us. That was also the game uh, during warm-ups. Someone yelled, hey, number 73, do you know what Jenny Craig is? I'm like, yeah. come on. They, I'll I'm, tell you, they were horrible. I'm actually looking pretty good yeah. today. Like, uh, I remember, I remember <laughs> too, that game, because like, the kickoff classic was in New York, so that – but that was a even though we were playing Syracuse, we played in the Meadowlands, so it was oh, yep. sort of like a neutral field game. Obviously, more Syracuse fans, and we got destroyed. So I don't think we as players remember to think from it. But San Jose State, I remember going out there. We wore white on white yep. too. Old linemen hate white on white, really, because it makes you look bigger. It makes you oh, look fat. I, yeah. I remember it, it, it's like twenty pounds. <laughs> we're going that we're walk. You know, pregame, you're walking down to the corner of the end zone where you do warm ups. And the old line's always walking together. You know, we move together. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like from the stands when everyone's moving together? It looks like cattle. Stands, they start mooing oh, while geez. we're walking. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's going to be a long day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then we start putting up points, and we're like, all right, we shut them up. We're mm -hmm. having fun. But obviously, we were young. There was a lot of mistakes made in the game. And the coaches, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that coaching meeting because I'm sure they're like, listen, we got the W and we're happy but we're not going to let them feel like they got to win. Mm -hmm. You know, they got shut yeah. out last week. They made a bunch of mistakes this week. The games are only going to get harder. Tear into the boys. And yeah. I think every position coach ripped every position apart. Man, these are awesome stories. Yeah. We could keep going on and on with, with this. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> and to that person at San Jose, seriously, my counselor and therapist, thank you for that because I'm still working through that trauma. I appreciate it. <laughs> And that's uh, why I don't wear white. That's why I wear black all the time now, Bill. See, obviously, it's affecting my life. Exactly. Yeah, that's why You'll never black. see a big guy wearing white, especially not a, not a tight white. Exactly. And that's the thing, too. Our jerseys are – people don't understand jerseys. So, like, we both have game jerseys today. Mm -hmm. And even my kids would – on sports days, they'd wear my actual game jersey to school. Uh. And I remember teachers or parents being like, oh, you got your child a jersey? I'm like, no, that's my game jersey. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no. Because it's tight, right? Yeah. It's tight as could be. Because you don't want for grabbing and all yeah, that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then even in college, we had double carpet mm -hmm. tape. Double-sided tape you put on your shoulder pads. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we in college, we had to do it. In the pros, the equipment staff does it for you. Mm -hmm. But yeah, on game day, you'd sit there at your locker putting – we called it double-sided tape, but for – Civilians, it's basically going to a hardware store and getting carpet tape where it's okay. sticky on both sides. Yep. So you stick it on the shoulder pad. You'd put your jersey on, then you'd stick your hand in and peel the other side off, and then press your jersey to your shoulder pads no just kidding. so D-lineman can't grab mm -hmm. you. Almost the same thing as like in the 70s when people used Vaseline. 
Like, okay, did you ever yep. hear about that in yep. the NFL? Like, yep. old linemen putting Vaseline, running backs putting Vaseline on their jersey so it's slippery? Mm-hmm. Well, double-sided tape, nobody. And I think it was illegal at the time, but nobody, refs never. They patted you down more for, I think it was like sharp objects or yeah, something. Like foreign objects. Foreign okay. objects, but they never checked for tape. Yeah. So we just did that just so somebody can't grab you and pull mm-hmm. you. But yeah. Old school. Like, my little guy, he just asked me this the other day. He's like, Dad, was it uh, was it Ronnie Lott that lost a finger and he played? I said, yeah, he you know got out, didn't have surgery. He's my favorite 49er player now. <laughs> like he, that's that's all he, he's a six year old. He's like that's awesome. You know, oh, he's my favorite 49er that's now. Odd. I'm that's... like, don't ever get that in your mindset. <laughs> we, you, I don't know if I'm gonna let you do that if it gets to that <laughs> true, true. over there. But, but I'd much rather admire the toughest nails player as exactly. opposed to the showboater or yep. something like that. So yep. no, good for him. Exactly. For him. So. Uh, well, before I let you guys go, a couple more things here. 217 South Mills is up and rolling right now. It First is. Episode, it is up. So. It is up live on uh, Spotacast, Sp- Sp- Spotacast, Spotify. It is live on there. We have three episodes up. Uh, we're going to be dropping them periodically, so make sure mm-hmm. you hit the follow button so you get updated on that. And all of our social media is at 217 South Mills. You could see uh, little snippets, short clips, funny moments from the show. So, yep. yeah, get out there. Like the Social media, follow us on Spotify, and hopefully we'll be uh, slowly rolling around on the other podcasting uh, mm-hmm. sites and as well. We'll share it up on our Facebook right. and Twitter and, and all that stuff there, we, too. We so. appreciate that. And it is brought to you by Cabin Coffee. Cabin Coffee. And we also have our uh, drink for coming up next month is the Mint Sensation. It's got that white coffee with more caffeine. Mm-hmm. And it's got that green mint in there. And, uh, again, you can have gr- green mint any time of the year because we mm-hmm. carry it all year long. So. I was talking, and grab some. talking to, uh, let's just say, a local collegiate athlete the other day, and he was talking about got to get, uh, let's just say, a green drink from somewhere. And I said, go to that one instead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll try it out. You yeah. Know, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's a little bit better. Like said, a, little bit, a little bit more than a little bit better, but, you know. I'll be the guy. Those other places suck. I've <laughs> had so many issues. I'm not going to drop names that hurt people's feelings, but, yeah, some they just stink. Cabin mm-hmm. Coffee. And I, I've been trying to get an ownership share in it, and – the owners are tight. They won't give me any uh, any equity in the company, but I just I like it. It tastes good uh, for me. That I like drinking. I'm not a black coffee type of guy too much. I like the flavor stuff and with all the different sugar free flavors over there. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the yep. the fun fancy drink without yep. getting full of sugar. So and let's face it, I opened up a coffee shop and uh, burnt and stale was already taken. So I went a different direction. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I hear that. Actually, too, uh, coming up, we have another website uh, through our company. It's called Around the 715, and one of the features on there is a, uh, you don't know this, but they do uh, dessert, and your coffee cake one's coming up. Really? Mm-hmm. Sweet. So that's going to be featured, because nice. I got I got asked to write about it. Oh, look at you. So, you nice. know, that's that's coming up here. So Outstanding. Looking yeah, forward to that. Absolutely. All right, boys, this is always fun. We appreciate <laughs> it, man, and I uh, can't wait to check out. I've got one episode down already, so... Awesome. I'll check out the other ones for two You're going to have fun with them. Absolutely. So, <laughs> dudes, appreciate it as always, man. Thank, Thank you very much. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-V and Toyson Ford. Don't forget, as always, to give us a five-star rating and a positive review wherever you listen to your podcast. That way others can find the podcast. Big thanks to Joe and Bill for stopping by. And until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.